Welcome to The Leader's Guide, the podcast made for today's leaders who are looking to make a difference in their life and the lives of others. Let's get started. I wanted to open this episode with a quote. I'm sure you've all heard the idea from Henry Ford of whether you believe you can or can't, you're right. Now, this idea goes so much deeper than just having a can-do attitude. In fact, your beliefs are so powerful that they can make an impact on a cellular level. Don't believe me? Well, today I'm speaking with author, speaker, business coach, and medical intuitive Sherry Anshara, who 30 years ago developed a belief that literally saved her life. Now, she uses the power of beliefs to help people in their own accelerated healing and to create a life of abundance. We're going to dive into all of this, but first, Sherry Anshara, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here, and I'm excited to hear all the questions you're going to ask. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm looking forward to just the great conversation we have. We've, we've talked a couple of times before, and just the idea of beliefs and understanding our own beliefs is something that I think that we are both really passionate about. Yes. So I want to just start off um, by turning turning it over to you a little bit. Would you mind just introducing our audience to some of the work that you do? I know I mentioned some ideas about healing and being intuitive and, and coaching and all that, but would you mind just kind of squaring away for our audience about the work that you do right now? I will. And you know what? One of my favorite words or two words in any language, and I've worked with individuals that I didn't even speak their language and had an interpreter and we got the same results. So the two words I love the most are practical applications. If something doesn't have a practical application, then I don't get it. It doesn't matter what you're learning, but it's applying it in a practical way. So the idea of our belief systems, and, and the first letter of the word belief is? B. And the first letter of the word system is? S. And put it together. So sometimes these BS programs, without judging them, no judgment here, is that they limit us. And so what happens through our left computer brain, that happens to go to our right male side, this is not gender, we get all caught up. You know, when people say, you know, I heard that voice in my head say, don't do it, but mm -hmm. my heart said, go ahead and do it. So that's the difference. So healing is not booga booga. It's not woo woo. Healing is really addressing the issues in our tissues and all illness, all disease. And I've been doing this for 31 years is really emotionally based. So our emotions is what limits us. But our feeling in the heart, this is not booga booga, you know, they've researched the heart and said it does have a real expansive resonance. So resonance is the key. Resonance, how do we resonate? So when you love something or like something, and I actually teach people to be in what they like, because I've heard people say, you know, Alexander, I just, I really love you, but I don't like you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. What's the practical applications? So liking something changes that resonance. So personally and professionally, it's the same. It's got to work together, not separately. So when someone says, this is my personal life and this is my professional life, you're actually splitting yourself in two, which is called duality. Mm -hmm. Duality is good and bad, high or low, my way or the highway, or you know, my way is the better way and you're right, you know, and I'm wrong and I'm right or you're wrong. That doesn't make any sense. So there's no practical applications. And that's where we get in trouble, especially in business. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing from you 
is so much of the work that you do that you were just shared a little bit about about that with has to do with the BS that's going on in our head or our belief systems, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and squaring away what, what's working for us and what's not working for us. Exactly. And if it's working, then you expand upon it. And so if it's not working, that is where I teach my first tool. It's called NEO, you know, the matrix, but it's called NEO, non-emotional observer. So if it isn't working, then when you observe it non-emotionally, you get to the facts. And you, you brought up Henry Ford. I'm from Michigan. And the wonderful thing about Henry Ford, people are under a belief system that Henry Ford built, created cars. He did not. Mm -hmm. They were doing cars in Europe. They were, you know, like right. a long time before that. What his brilliance is, is the assembly line. And his assembly line changed the world whether it was the food industry or any kind of industry farming, because he was able to uh, put it together, you know, that somebody does this and somebody does this. It was brilliant, the assembly line. But, you know, there's another hero of mine, and his name is Barry Gordy, and he started Motown. Do you know that Barry Gordy worked on the line? And so he watched all this happening, and that was the brilliance of Motown. So he had people teaching them how to dance, how to you know, move, how to wear clothes, how to present themselves. And it was Motown was actually assembly line in music, and he changed the music industry. Interesting by being being an observer there, taking a step back and bird's eye view. Yeah, even though he worked on the assembly line, mm -hmm. and, you know, but he, but his but his heart was in music, and look what happened. He changed lives. He changed the music industry. And guess what? He became incredibly prosperous. And so did the people that believed in what he is doing. And I remember at the onset of Motown, it was fabulous. And, and seeing there has to be something different here that he's doing. Well, he was doing something different, but yet with a practical application of what he learned working on the assembly line. How brilliant is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And I, I, I'm really excited to get into this conversation because I want to talk a lot about what you were talking about earlier is the practical application, right? Getting into our belief system, getting back into that, that Neo of being a, a non-emotional observer, learning about that kind of stuff. But first I want to establish a little bit of that foundation there. Um, a lot of the, 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 the work you do with beliefs and developing more empowering beliefs, where did that stem from for you and in, in the work that you do? Well, actually, in 1991, I had an accident, and I actually had a near-death experience. And so from this accident, I was really a mess. Physically, I was a mess. And so in this is not judging the medical field. They provided for me information of what they had. Mm -hmm. However, this could be in the metaphysical world. Someone makes a prediction for you. It could be in any world. So they made predictions. <laughs> It didn't sound very good to me, and I didn't care for the predictions. And I thought, you know what? There has to be something else smarter than predictions, or no, no matter what, because they don't really have all the information. They don't know me. They don't know where I'm coming from and what I'm capable of. Alexander, they don't know where you came from or what you're capable of, because look, you're doing a podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, 20 years ago, there was no such thing as a podcast, really. Is you know what I mean? And so. I thought I, I can't do that. So I extricated myself from the hospital because when I was in the hospital, asking myself, which I teach people to do, to, oh, I'm sorry for my phone, is asking your body for the information. And these two words came to me, cellular memory. And you know what? I thought about that. 
you know, the minute the sperm hits the egg, you're in. So the nose knows to be a nose cell and the toe, this is practical applications, and the toe knows to be a toe cell. Otherwise, we'd have a fingernail at the end of the nose. So there had to be something smarter in the body that we can overcome this. It's just not the mind. It's the intelligence and intellect in the body that I discovered called cellular memory. And so I extricated myself from the hospital and I was in Connecticut, though I lived in Michigan. I was there visiting and had been on business. And, and that's what started the journey. I thought, you know what? I can do this. Even though they told me I can't do this, I can. So all of you, I encourage you, Alexander, yourself, go back in the your own past. This is not reliving the past, traumatizing. Mm -hmm. Someone told you you couldn't do something and you did it. That's your brilliance. Yeah. No, and, and, and I, I want to get a little bit more into that. And I think I, I really want to emphasize something that that you said there, because I the first time that we talked, I was just taken back by by this because you had a, you had an accident, you had an experience that left you in a, in a frankly life altering position, <laughs> right? Life altering to to say the least, right? Where you were you were facing a near death experience where the doctors were looking at you saying, Sherry, life as you know it is over, mm -hmm. and it will never be the same, and you're going to wind up living like this and this and this and we'll do what we can to help you, but that's it. And for you, you kind of had two, two streams of thought in, in the way you saw it of one, I will embrace that. And then my life as I know it is over and I'll, it'll be what it is. Or the one view you took of that doesn't sound good to me. I don't want that. I want to live a more empowering life and developed a very different belief system for yourself of I can do it. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to work through the, the physical therapy. I'm going to work through everything else and do what I need to do in order to get my previous life back. And then in the process, learning about this idea of cellular memory, which I really want to get into. Could you tell me a little bit more about, you kind of teed up it a little bit, but the idea of cellular memory, what that, what that really means. Okay. This is perfect. I love this question. Our body memorizes everything. And through these years of in working with individuals or supporting them or assisting them, whatever I call it, um, they would have memory and it might not have been a good experience or it might have been a wonderful experience. And so I assist them to get into the cellular memory because our body memorizes everything. However, there is a difference. There's also cellular memorization. Mm -hmm. Memorization works through the left computer brain. So the doctor said, this is going to be this way and that. So that was a memorization from the accident. And I thought, you know what? I can overcome that. But I didn't know it exactly at the time. It was a progressive process. I don't believe in processing, you know, process, process, but a progressive. And so then I was able to differentiate the difference between clear, pure cellular memory of a healthy body and differentiate between the cellular memorization of the accident with the broken back and broken neck and all this stuff going on. And I thought, I can't buy that. I know they're experts. I know they're giving me the best advice. And then because I teach wordology as your biology, I don't care for the word advice. I'm not going to add vice to somebody's life. I'm going to assist <laughs> them. <laughs> Isn't that a good one? Add vice? No, no I was going to say, I love all the little rhymes and mnemonics that you're throwing in there. I do it all the time. And that's the wordology is your biology. And so those were some of the things. So I was listening to myself in this word. That's where I came to wordology is your biology these many years ago. So if I, I'll give you a perfect example 
And I'm going to go back to when I was 30. So when I was 30, I said to my mother and my sister, who was a lot older than me, that I would like to learn how to fly an airplane. And they said to me, remember their wordology, their belief system. And they said to me, this is hilarious. Sherry, you're a girl and you're too old. And I'm like, wait a minute. How can you be a girl and too old? And I thought, doesn't make sense. So guess what I did? I bought an airplane. <laughs> and people said, how did you buy an airplane? Like you buy a car, you put so much down and once a month you get a bill. If you don't pay it, they take it. And so I did it because I would like to have that experience. So from that, it opened up. This is what I'm saying. It opened up a whole new avenue, a whole new life and in lifetimes in that experience. Mm -hmm. You know, I learned to fly. I started producing air shows. I volunteered in the military. I mean, I had a great time. But then that was over and it was time to do something else. But Alexander, what happens if, if I got caught up years ago that I couldn't do something? So I applied that I could do something. I learned to fly. And, and I was told that I couldn't. Or, or, you know, you're a girl or whatever it is, that's a belief system. Or a guy says you can't do this, you know, because the guy is a guy and he can't do it, whatever that means. Or you can't become like your father or you can't become successful. Those are things people say, and that's their belief systems. So you can't be limited, especially in these times. In these times, this is the perfect time to utilize our individual creativity of what we can create to benefit ourselves, not selfish, centered in self, but to benefit others. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the brilliance of consciousness instead of belief systems. Right, right. And, and I really want to get into that a little bit more. I think it's important to establish, at least the way I learned it, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the way that we as people establish our belief systems um, I'll take this this one particular thing as an example of if you were a little kid and you were outside in the in the yard with with your mom or your dad and you see a snake that comes up and it instigates a new emotion emotion that you haven't felt before and then your parent responds with fear and then they scream and they they jump and they grab you and they run away you learn to develop a, a belief that 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 thing that crawled up that thing that's called snake is bad and I should be afraid when I see that or on the other end you have a parent who understands what a snake is and understands, oh, that's a little gardener snake. And they pick it up and they show you and they're fascinated with it. You develop a very different belief system about what a snake is. And this happens all the time from the time that we are, I, I can't speak about the time before we're born of when we're in the womb, but like from, from then until our entire life, this happens on a micro level in, and that's how our belief systems get developed. Is that, is that correct? Alexander, that's brilliant. What you just said, that's why you're a new kid on the block. Yes. I actually have a client. She's 31 now, going on 32. And I've worked with her since she was 19. Mm -hmm. And uh, and she came to me with nothing. And she had been abandoned by her mother at three. So I became sort of a surrogate mother, mentor, and whatever. But she went to massage school. Then she went to nursing school. And she paid for this all on her own, really. And that she's married and she has a little girl. And the reason I brought her up is that she is raising her little daughter who's a little over two years old. She has never heard, with my methods, I'm not kidding you. She has never heard the word no, you can't or don't. They do not speak that to her. And she is the most brilliant little, but about two and a half year old. And mm -hmm. she's very curious. And her parents explain to her, isn't that wonderful? Mm -hmm. And so she's yeah, not going to... So she's not going to grow up with limitations, 
But what she's going to grow up with is a curiosity, a right. curiosity of how things work or how things maybe don't work. Does that make sense? That's being a conscious parent. And and will that, and so from my own perspective, um, I became an entrepreneur in tw at 12. I had two older brothers and they were nine and 11 years older and they were entrepreneurs like right out of the gate in their early 20s. I idolized them, idolized them. So I got my first job at 12. <laughs> and people said, you can't get a job at 12. And I said, yes, I can. And I did. And so- it's not about a job. I teach individuals. You get, even when I work with executives, you're not looking for a job. You're looking for a position. How you position yourself, again, wordology, in what it is you're doing. If you just got a job, then go to work at McDonald's or something. Not wrong. Right. But if you're looking for a position or a career, just like you created your podcast, if someone told you four years old, four years ago, are you going to, or even at four, are you going to have a podcast? So that's why we, it's best not to limit because we really are the creativity of what we create into a creation that I call actualization. Interesting. Interesting. So I, I want to get into the application a little bit of that too, because I think that that you've, you've explained so brilliantly the idea of our belief systems that, that a, we have them and they, they determine so much of our life. They're established long, long, long time ago, right? Before we're born or not necessarily before we're oh, born. Yes. But those, oh, yes. They start establishing men and then start forming, especially those ages of zero to five and continue all the way up until now, wherever we're at in our lives. These beliefs form and they establish. And when they get cemented over and over and over again, that's what really starts to get into our cellular memory, right? Yes. And that pure memory gets memorized over mm -hmm. by the belief systems. So the right. truth is, I've actually worked with babies in the womb. I, I kid you not. And I was asked by a very famous uh, pediatrician known globally about five or six years ago. She asked me to write an article about my experiences with parents or the mom with the baby in the womb. And actually, they're very conscious and they will tell you all kinds of stuff. I, I, I'm not making this up. If someone told me that, you know, 40 years ago, I'd be doing that. I go, you're crazy. This mm -hmm. wouldn't be happening. But yet it did. And it's because of our listening skills, not right. hearing, but listening. And the more we listen to ourselves, the more we learn to listen to others. And then that judgment goes away and we go, well, that's very interesting. <laughs> Instead so, of God, you are so stupid. Yeah. So I want to tie that in a little bit. What are some of the listening skills or ways to listen, things to listen for in ourselves when we're trying to look for what are some of the disempowering beliefs, the negative beliefs, the limiting beliefs that we have that we may not realize are, are even limiting us? Okay. So some of them, when we start to listen, that's different than hearing. Mm -hmm. Hearing is through this left computer brain, you know, and, and people I'm sure have said this, you know, Alexander, I hear what you're saying, mm -hmm. but I, you know, but I don't agree. They're not, they're not listening. Right. What right. they're doing is when we hear, we filter through these belief systems. And when we filter through these belief systems, it's called limitations. Mm -hmm. But when we listen, here's a perfect example. Yesterday, I had an appointment and my goal was to get back here by one o'clock because I had a Zoom call on a project that I'm working on, correct? So I'm coming back and there is an accident on 101 or something. I don't know what it was. 
And so I got off. And so I called the person that I was supposed to be. So the thinky thinky here was, oh my God, I won't make it. I'm going to be late. I'm going to be stressed. It's not going to work out. And this person's on the East Coast and I have to be there at one o'clock and then it's four o'clock. And so all that goes on in your head. You know, yak, 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 yak. So I said, I know what I'll do. I've got her phone number, even though it won't be on Zoom. So I called her and said, you know, I really apologize. I can work my way. I probably can't get back uh, to, you know, to my computer until about 1.15 because of this, whatever's going on. And I'll take all the side roads because I know all the roads, correct? Knowledge is wonderful. And so she said, not a problem. So we worked it out and she typed all this stuff up because I had to have a proposal out yesterday afternoon. Can mm -hmm. you imagine? And she said, now we've got this done. All you have to do when you get back to your office is type it out. And I said, and she said, and I'll call you back at five o'clock my time, which is eight o'clock her time after her dinner engagement. Right. Right. And so it was. And I said, oh, my God. I even have time now to go to Sprouts. I have time to go stop at uh, CVS and I can stop at say. So I was able to accomplish everything without any stress, without getting into my thinky, thinky brain. And so when I got back, we got on the phone and together I finished this proposal, which wasn't due until this morning. But because of our three-hour difference, I was doing it to accommodate, but I couldn't cancel this other appointment. So you see, Alexander, when you stay out of your head that I can't do this, everything is falling apart, chicken little, you know, the sky is falling, and you stay focused and directed, it works out. And I actually accomplished more in that time frame than I could have if I had, if I could have, should have, would have the other way. Right. So instead of panicking, what can we do with practical applications to get this to work? So tell me about that practical applications a little bit. When you're looking at your own life or you're, you're maybe talking to somebody else, when you recognize that I have a, a, a belief that is not empowering me to towards my goals, what can I do to maybe change that belief or start developing a more positive one? Okay, so look at it with the word practical. When you tell yourself you can't do something, then ask your body, ask your body, why can't I do this? Is it really I can't do it or is it because someone told me I can't do something so I'm buying into their limitation? Right. Question. Start questioning those beliefs that when they pop up. And here's another example. Years ago, I was because I used to be around air shows, I was fascinated by the aerobatic pilots. I had no interest in becoming an aerobatic pilot, like none at all. But what I did was I just loved the idea what would it be like to fly upside down or make a perfect barrel roll or whatever? So I took aerobatic lessons. Mm -hmm. And the first time, and I have an instructor with me, so I'm totally safe. And so are the people on the ground. And when I made my first perfect roll, I was screaming and yelling and my instructor's laughing. And he said, Sherry, I know it's exciting, but it's not that exciting. You're breaking my eardrums. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, and you know, so the point of it is you feel it. You can't be outside the plane watching yourself. But when you feel it, then you know you are right on track. Mm -hmm. If you doubt yourself, then get more information. So fear is lack of correct information. That's all fear is. It's not false evidence appearing real, you know, unless you're going to, you know, put somebody up for, you know, a murder rap or something or a crime. So fear is that is what is the, the, the facts that you're missing. That's all it is. 
It's lack of correct information, not mm-hmm. right or wrong, but correct information. Interesting. So, and that, that really ties into the listening idea, right? You have to, A, first and foremost, take a step back, become a non-emotional Emotional. observer, and then listen to the beliefs that you have. And then when they, when they pop up, learn to question them and then question them of a, is this supported by fact or do I need to find more information in order to support this, develop this a little bit more, right? Perfect. And that's the practical applications and that works in business. And so um, this, this is not tooting my own horn, but years ago I went for, I went to work for a company and I always have that entrepreneurial spirit. And so I was an inside salesperson. And this was, this was back in the 80s. I kid you not, like before you were even thought of. And so I was hired as an inside salesperson. And only the outside salespeople traveled. And so they at, my boss said to me, I'm going to give you a quota. And I said, would you do me a favor and don't give me a quota? And my boss said, what? And I said, you just keep my quota, but don't tell me. Okay, because I, I'm going to focus on sales. So this is actually what happened. I'm not making this up. I became, and the, and the company started in the 30s. Now we're in mm-hmm. the 80s, 50 years later. I was the first inside salesperson ever to go out. And I was in Michigan at the time. And I went to Pittsburgh because my belief system was that I couldn't do it. It didn't, it, it wasn't whether I could or couldn't. It didn't even occur to me that you couldn't do it. And so I, I brought this account to such a successful amount of money for the company I worked for. And, and so uh, we actually, they invited me and and my boss and the big boss said we're going with you. <laughs> so the three of us got on a plane in Michigan and went to Pittsburgh. And they said this had never happened ever in all those years that an insight. But you see, was that limited? That you can't do something. Well, yeah. I mean, it was limited in in that what you couldn't do, but you took the limits off of it, right? Exactly. And yeah. I always made my quota was way over it. But my boss said, I never saw anybody say, don't give me a quota. I said, I know I have a quota. I, you know, I can, I can figure that out myself, but I would rather focus on developing relationships. So then they had me do sales training. Mm -hmm. And when I walked in, I had our sales manual and I threw it in the trash can. And I said, I'm not going to teach you uh, sales training. You know, I'm not going to train you. I'm going to show you how to develop a relationship. And that was way back when, which you didn't do that. And we had the most fun. And so my team just excelled. Isn't that yeah. Funny? Interesting. Yeah. You're, you're, you're taking the barriers. Uh, honestly, you're just kind of completely deboxing the box and not even getting out of the box, but just completely taking the rails off of the bowling alley and, and everything else there, which is, which is a, a really interesting, interesting tie in there when looking at, at the beliefs that we have for ourselves. Exactly. And that's why personal and professional is the same. And the interesting part is I got friends from like way back when mm-hmm. they'll keep in touch with me even from the corporate, which I find fascinating because it was about building relationships. But the best relationship one must build is with themselves. Bingo, bingo. I love it. I love it. And I think that's such a great message to wrap up on. Um, but Sherry, hey, thank you so much for for taking the time today. I've had such a pleasure and the time has completely flown by in, in just getting wrapped up in our conversation here today. Thank you so much. And just to... I always say this to successes beyond successes for you each and every day. So have successful and successful days every day because you create them. I love it. Thank you so much. Before we wrap up, 
I've got five just rapid fire questions for you. And then I want to give you the space to share with our audience where they can connect a little bit more with you. Sure. Okay. So here are my, my quick five questions for you. Number one, what is the movie that you will always stop and watch if it is on? The Joy Luck Club. The Joy Luck Club. I love it. I don't think I've seen that one. I'll have to add it to my list. It, it's really, they would say it's a chick flick, but it's about relationships. Mm-hmm. That's what I like. So it's the Joy Luck Club. And um, I, just, I just loved it. I love it. I love it. Number two, if you were given $100,000 to give to one cause or one organization, where would you send it? I would send it to myself right now because myself and a, a group of my clients that became friends, we're in the process of creating two schools. Mm. One is a school to do what I do. Uh, it is the medicine of the future now. And the other is the Anshara Global Academy for children so that they can grow up believing in themselves. I love it. I love it. Are you sending it to the to the future education? Yes. Uh, number three, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? To trust myself. Mm. Trust yourself. I love it. One of the most empowering beliefs that we can develop about ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Number four, if you were writing a book on self-leadership, what would be the first or the most important chapter? The first and the best part of the chapter, if you were writing it on leadership. Yeah, what would be is, the most important chapter? I would say is look within yourself when you led yourself in the correct direction for you. Mm. Interesting. Modeling your own success there and and then expressing it outward. I love it. Number five, what is something that you wish you knew when you were in your early twenties or just starting your career that you know now? I would say to completely trust my intuition, which Mm -hmm. is my natural innate ability to discern because every time I didn't trust my intuition, it's not booga booga or well, it's just your natural innate ability to discern what is correct for you or what is not. So I would say that for everybody, trust your gut. Don't always trust this left computer brain. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, those are my quick five questions for you. And um, before we finish up here, would you mind just sharing a little bit about where our audience can connect with you and your work and some of the, the information that you have out there? Actually, a lots of ways. Um, my website is, I'm, I'm almost ready for a new website. It's sherryonshara.com, S-H-E-R-R-Y, Anshara, A-N-S-H-A-R-A.com. My office number is 480-609-0874. I am on Facebook. I have a private group for everyone's welcome called Conversations with Sherry and Shara. And every uh, Tuesday at five, I give out 20 minutes information. I also have a private membership called Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Sherry and Shara. It only starts at $15 a month. And you will, and I have 61 videos of insight and even my friend Brandy's on there with her new little kid on the block. So there's, and I'm on LinkedIn. I love being on LinkedIn. And I just had, believe it or not, a hundred searches this past week. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. I know. I was surprised myself. So I know about four of them are me. So um, (laughs) I'm glad, glad to hear you're growing and, and showing out and everybody and um, I'll, I'll be sure to include your website in the show notes down below so people can easily access that. But again, thank you so much for, for all of our listeners. This was valuable to you. Please connect with, 
with Sherry on, on LinkedIn and with her website and all the work that she's done. She's got so much great information out there. In fact, one of the things she has on there that I that I read before, she's got a, a free just 17. It's a short ebook that you can download. It's about getting your answers in 10 minutes. QuickBook that kind of really talked about a lot of what we talked about today, but a lot of different ways to, to learn from her and to connect with her. Thank you so much. I had fun. Yeah. And, and we'll see you guys on the next episode.